Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. In today's episode, I am joined by Lucy Werner. Lucy is the founder of a PR and branding consultancy. She works with startups, entrepreneurs and independent brands. She's also a speaker and author of Hype Yourself, a book which I recently discovered and then reached out to Lucy online to invite her to be a guest on the podcast. So today we're talking about branding, networking, some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to PR, what are the things that you can absolutely do yourself and what are the things that you need to outsource, get support and get advice. I really enjoyed this conversation with Lucy. There's so many actionable, practical takeaways, which is what I am all about. The best advice is actionable advice. So let's dive into this week's episode. joined by Lucy Werner. Lucy, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation all week. I have so many questions for you, so many topics that I think we could discuss. And I think it's going to be a super valuable, insightful conversation for the listeners in whatever industry, whether they're multi-hyphenates, whether they're employed, whether they're thinking of changing careers due to the pandemic. So hopefully we'll be able to fit in all my, my long list of questions in one hour. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. We'll try, I'll try and rattle through. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, well, the way I should probably kick off by saying that I discovered you, Lucy, by I was reading your book, Hype Yourself, which is a no-nonsense PR toolkit for small businesses. Now, although I am not the owner of a small business, I think that increasingly you know, individuals, personal, professional brands, multi-hyphenates, whatever you want to call us, I think we need to be thinking about PR and about marketing in the same way. And for me, whether it's this podcast or my book, or whether it's when I'm booked by a corporate client to, to deliver a talk or a workshop or a motivational speech, I, I think it's all kind of very applicable right now. So I guess I'd love to dive in and, and kick off with you to give some context to the listeners and some insights into your career journey so far and into the work that you now do. Yeah, sure. I mean, just on that note as well, like one of my one of my friends, Albert, runs Underpinned, which is a freelance platform. We were literally talking this week about the fact that freelancers do need to be thinking of themselves as a freelance business. So essentially, that is who who the book is for. You've got it exactly right. Um, my background's actually always been in PR. I did PR work experience when I was seventeen for a music PR company, and then I did my degree. I wrote about music for my dissertation, thought I'd end up in music PR, but there was a bit of a sort of dot-com boom um, crash. And then I literally just kind of climbed the ranks, really did my work, did lots of spreadsheets, lots of kind of running work. I mean, just to put an age on me, I used to first send out uh, show reels on VHS tapes to journalists, <laughs> <laughs> almost at the end of faxing press releases. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, we did have email, but yeah, uh, that would date me a bit um but yeah just kind of climb the ranks I've worked in-house for um, Mr and Mrs Smith which is like a luxury travel guide I've been in big agencies and smaller agencies and in my last 
job before I made the jump to kind of go freelance and set up my own business I just kind of got disillusioned really with working in big corporates I didn't really care about promoting e-cigarettes or gambling and I was meeting loads of wicked entrepreneurs who couldn't afford to pay a PR agency three grand a month minimum and when you're doing that anyway the agency generally kind of considers you the, the lowest fee payer in the building so you don't really get that much attention normally it's a junior team and I just thought I want to create a solution to all the brilliant people out there who deserve wicked PR but don't have big agency budgets to do that. Yeah, and if anyone's listening to this and actually thinking, okay, PR, 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 what actually is PR and what isn't PR? Because I think, as you mentioned, I think that notoriously people think that it's really expensive and that sometimes they're like, what are you even paying for? You're just paying, like you say, three or four thousand pounds a month for someone to try and get your name mentioned at the bottom corner of a page in a magazine and the idea that kind of print is dead. And, you know, this I think people sometimes don't even know what PR even is. So what would you say it is and what isn't it? Yeah, so the, what you're talking about there is actually a publicity tactic. So publicity is one pillar of PR, which is getting into traditional media and the media relations. So your relationship with the press. PR stands for public relations. And to me, that is everything that you are doing in the public eye to uh, have a relationship with your audience. So it could be you and I speaking together today on a podcast. That is PR for both of us because we are expanding our audience reach, we are talking about ourselves, we are showing a bit of ankle, as I like to say, of our, of who we are. Um, and, it, you know, it's everything from your newsletter to how you appear on social media to what events you speak at. You, anything that you are doing in the public eye is essentially your your public relations. And I think back in the day, there was there was advertising, marketing and PR, and they were very siloed. And there's a lot of crossover between them now. So mm. there's between kind of digital marketing and PR specifically, it is hard to kind of say what the difference is. But I guess ultimately, PR is the impression that you want to be leaving upon people. And it's what they're saying when you're not in the room. You know, in advertising, you are paying somebody to promote that message. And it's you're paying to say, this is what I am. Um, and then in marketing, you're trying to sort of compel that message uh, but PR, it's like it's really it's about that emotional connection. And that's why it's so hard to measure. And that's why for a lot of small businesses, they don't think about investing in it. But I always kind of counter that and say, well, I've only built my business on PR and I've only got the opportunities I've got through PRing myself. So I know it works because I'm a living case study. And I think it's mm. important to walk my own talk in what I do as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, obviously you're an individual, but for other individuals, if they're not thinking of themselves as running a business where they sell a product or a service, let's say, for example, they are a clothes stylist or a makeup artist or a DJ or a graphic designer, you know, any any list of freelancers. Do you think that for them, do they need PR? And like when you, as we were mentioning, it's all these different pillars, but do they actually need to, you know, invest in just doing it themselves or do they need to yeah, invest in a PR agency? I think all of the things that you just described there, I'd still have them as a service. You know, if you're a makeup artist or a fashion stylist, that's still, you're still providing a service to somebody. It's just mm. might not be a B2B. You're direct, you're working with a consumer. So um, yeah, I I don't think you need to spend all of your money on a PR agent or a freelance PR team. I think there is so much that you can do for yourself. And there's just really simple things like writing a bio for yourself. 
um, writing a kind of one-liner and here you are having a few press shots. And by that, it's not some kind of posed Insta lifestyle thing that you need to worry about. Just a simple facing forward, oh, no, it's like that kind of passport photo shot, you know, that yeah. just your head and shoulders. But if you do get booked to speak on a podcast or a journalist wants to include you in a feature or Facebook invite you to be on a panel event or, you know, any of these things that we might want to pursue to elevate our profile, you've got it ready. So it's really sort of simple things that you can do as a business owner to be PR savvy before you even think about investing in, in external support. Yeah. And do you think that people need to go one step further? So for example, like have their own website and you mentioned, you know, having a, having things ready. Do you think that now I think people tend to rely quite heavily on social media. So they put everything into the, how can I get, you know, more Instagram followers? How can I promote myself and my work via Instagram? Which of course it is a, it is a huge platform. There's a lot of search done there. And I think that if you can build a powerful network or audience on social media, then of course it's incredibly powerful. And, you know, both of us have done that, but do you think, yeah, what about things like websites and maybe even having like pitch decks and, and, and portfolios of your work? Yeah, definitely have a website definitely have a website even if it's just a holding page where you collect emails and that's it because if instagram goes down overnight or it stops being popular you you've kind of lost that audience and you think about um periscope on twitter there would be people who bought like hundreds of thousands of not bought they earned like hundreds and thousands of followers and they had a whole business based on periscope and that's now dead and twitter's basically rebuilding twitter spaces which is its answer to clubhouse on top of that platform. So we never really know what's gonna happen with these social media channels that we're working on in the future and you don't own that data. And actually in terms of if you're using your Instagram feed, for example, to sell, you're actually more likely to sell through a newsletter, believe it or not, than you are through your socials. And you're more likely to get an open rate and people see it on a newsletter than on your socials. So I think the organic reach on Facebook um, and Instagram is about 4%. But if you have a good subscriber base on your newsletter, you can get that open rate up to about 40, 50%. So then you know that you're getting a good eyes of what it is that you might be selling or promoting. So um, yeah, lots of people are like, but I don't read newsletters. It doesn't matter. People do, they do. We all Mm. think that they don't, but it's still actually proven to be one of the best selling channels. So for me, yeah, if you're not just a content creator and making money from kind of influencer work, actually converting your your products and services over onto your website and having your own audience data is so important. And I think the other thing that's good with a portfolio is it also sort of sorts the wheat from the chaff in terms of your price point, particularly if we're nervous about how we're pricing ourselves. If you say that this is this is what a project with me starts from, that immediately rules out anybody who's going to go, well, I've actually only got £100 to spend with you or, you know, whatever it is. So I think kind of pricing yourself and, and declaring that to the world, like this is how much I'm worth. If you, if you don't want to pay that, that's cool. There's other people. But just kind of getting that in place and having your packages in place is very powerful as a small business owner. And when, I, when I'm saying small business owner, I mean freelancer. Mm, yeah both exactly okay well this is great and I I really agree with that website and newsletter perspective and actually 
you mentioned, you know, that's something that maybe the perception is that it's, you know, it's maybe not that great, but actually it still works. So I guess over the last decade, maybe even more, a lot has changed. And, you know, when we think about media, uh, long form, short form, social media, all these different ways in which we advertise and market and the way brands have had to evolve at such pace. I'm somebody who's very, you know, I'm very interested in innovation and I'm the director of innovation at a fitness tech startup. So for me, looking at trend disruption, looking at trend forecasting and identifying kind of what's happening is something that, you know, I think it's like a personal interest anyway, because that's just what I'm interested in. But it also definitely applies to my my role at Fit now more than ever. So I'm interested to hear from you, Lucy, on what are the things that you think have remained the same? So are there some fundamental pillars that will always be the same? And then afterwards, I'd like to discuss what's changed and what, you know, small businesses or freelancers need to think about uh, to kind of keep up with that change. So, yeah, what are the things that have remained and that you think will probably always be there? I think from my side on the client demand, the things are always the same, which is people always want to get print coverage international. And actually the way to do that is pretty similar. It is about sending a pitch at the right time with the right story, with the why now answered to the correct journalist. That formula hasn't changed. I think there's a bit of a myth that um, you, it's all about your Rolodex of contacts. And I think that's the bit that actually has changed because yes, back in the day, pre-email, there were no database of journalists. Like we used to have kind of coffees and lunches. It would be like kind of networking with journalists on Fleet Street, for example, and it isn't like that now. There are journalist databases. We can connect with media on Twitter. I think Twitter's completely revolutionized the access for small business owners and freelancers to connect with press. There's a mm. hashtag journey request, for example. So you can see media using that all day, um, looking for case studies or people to contribute. So this whole you need a you need a black book of contacts thing for me is so outdated that actually if you've got a great business and a great story you don't need that connection you just need to have the kind of bravado to just be pitching it wow that's really interesting lucy for me because i'm i'm that person who's always saying like you know network is so important and having like a powerful network of people who you know and trust and can kind of because i i think the way the reason i say that so often is because I, I totally agree that you can reach out to people on Twitter, you can do your homework and you can find people's email addresses and you can, yeah, the access is far more available. But I think because of that, I think it's almost become, we've become a little bit dilute, it's diluted. So you could get like, 60 emails from hashtag journal requests. Whereas if you know the person or if you say, oh, this is, I don't know, Adrienne and she's introduced by Lucy or my friend Alice or whoever. I think sometimes for me personally, I found that actually through nurturing real relationships and having that network, it's really, really served me well, for example, with this podcast or with, with my book launch, because I actually knew a person instead of just sometimes, do you know what I mean? Like kind of feeling like it's become dilute with email and Twitter and almost that you need yet to stand out in that, in that list of a hundred emails that they might get that day. Yeah. I think it's, it's, for me, there's both sides of the coin on that one. Like, I don't disagree with you. Definitely, if you've got a friend who's a really good friend of a journalist and does that introduction, that's definitely going to be a lot of an, a much easier route for you to get in. But for some people starting out, they might not have that network. And I just think, actually, if you're putting a really punchy subject line together to completely address what that journalist is looking for, 
And from my own experience of the clients that I've worked with, I think 90% of the opportunities I've got have not been through existing relationships. It's just been from a very tailored pitch. And actually, it takes me a lot more time to put that pitch together to make sure they're the right person, to make sure I'm giving them everything. But mm. it's the difference, right, between when it's somebody you don't know sending you a direct message on LinkedIn versus those sort of spammy sales ones you get where they're like, oh, I've got this software. Can I book a call in with you next week? Yeah. And you're just like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I wish I'd not connected with you now. Quickly unconnect. Um, so I think if it's, yeah, if your story is right, that journalist actually needs it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's also, yeah, it's great to hear because often, yeah, the pushback that I get because maybe as well because it's partly my my personality you know I'm an extrovert I'm very curious I ask a lot of questions so if I go somewhere I do tend to leave not I'm not like a serial networker but I tend to go and I'm like oh you know what do you do and oh my gosh you're pregnant when are you due oh what do you do oh do you know this guy and I chat 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 it's just like literally <laughs> that was my if you saw my school reports from school it was like Adrian talks too much and distracts others and I think that is still <laughs> my that's my USP <laughs> so I think maybe the pushback I often get is that yes Adrian you might you know be that person but not everybody is a connector not everybody is a networker and actually some people's kind of pushback is that oh well I don't have a network I don't have an in and actually can I still reach journalists can I still pitch to people and maybe not even just journalists but potential clients businesses partnerships you know reaching out to brands so I think that's really yeah hopefully really helpful for a lot of listeners is to say whichever way there's probably merit in both but you can't use the excuse that you don't have a network no, and there's really easy steps that you can do. So when I say to people, what's your dream big? Like, what would you love to get? And everyone goes, Forbes or TEDx? And I'm like, cool, okay, which journalist from Forbes are you following? And it will just be like a blank wall. And I'll be like, cool, who organizes your local TEDx event? And it will be, again, a blank wall. So I'm like, if you want these things, then do the research of who's curating it or who's writing about businesses like yours and start following them and engaging with their content and getting on their radar. It doesn't have to just be a cold email of you selling upfront. You can really warm that kind of contact before you approach. And it's probably the same thing with you and your podcast, right? You probably get people who pitch you completely cold and you think this isn't the right pitch. It's not the right fit. You obviously haven't listened to it and you don't know my audience. And then you might get other people you think, do you know what? That person's maybe followed me for a long time. And I've seen them on socials. I've seen they've talked about this and that. They probably are a good fit. Mm. Um, and it's just the different, you know, you can tell, you can tell. Yeah. And also you can tell when they still leave someone else's name in the, in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always a red flag. It's like, hi, AJ. I'm like, I'm not AJ. Hi, oh. you know, Naomi. And I'm like, yep. Do, you they, do you get your it. name spelt wrong as well? And you're like, no, that's an instant fail. <laughs> oh, all the time. But I think worse than that is when it's just copy and pasted and they've sent it to 10 people, yeah, especially exactly. when it's yeah, 10 yeah. of my peers in the same industry. And I, I know they've just done that. I'm like, mm, you could have changed it to Adrienne. That would have been good. Um, okay, <laughs> that is what take... I call spray and pray. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I roll. But also, this is great. I hope people are taking note. If you're not, if you're currently listening to this whilst you're driving or running on a treadmill walking your dog make sure you go back with a with a pen and paper because I am scribbling down notes <laughs> so next up I, I did say I wanted to talk about what's changed so as I mentioned I look at industry disruption and I look at the way not just social media but even podcasting audio media there's so many things now that have changed the way we fundamentally receive information interact so what are the things that 
yeah, I guess have changed that have disrupted the PR and, and media world that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, I guess it's kind of like that next step on from social media. So when I started out, the only profiles for small businesses would either be in very dry corporate publications or you could get a profile piece in the national, but you had to turn over 2.5 million to be considered a a successful small business. Today, even after the pandemic, I think we saw an increase in applications for people setting up their own corporations in the UK, something like I think it's almost like 5.9 or 6 million SMEs in the UK now. And 90% of that is what they call micro business owners, uh, micro businesses. So that is effectively a sole trader, a freelancer, a small business owner. We're actually the biggest driver of the UK economy. And I don't think we necessarily realise that. And there's a lot of power in that. And you can see um, in the media landscape, for me, what I really fell back in love with the press in the last 12 months because they did really champion small business and we could see that in the communities as well we are we're definitely seeing an increase in purpose we're definitely um, having a shake-up and realizing that we need to be supporting marginalized groups better like I don't think I've ever seen pride month be looked at in to such the extent that we've seen before um, I think it's horrific that it took the the murder of George Floyd for us to kind of wake up to the Black Lives Matter movement but I think 12 months on, we are still seeing that shake up in the media landscape. We are seeing more black women in particular being included in media articles and speaking on platforms that we weren't seeing before. So I really hope that there's actually a lot more opportunities now to get voices out there that weren't being heard before. And I think for the indie small business owner, there can be things that happen from a piece of media coverage or some viral content about your business that can just completely blow you up overnight and then the next thing you know, you're, you're being bought by a large corporation or you're being stocked in the retailer that you always wanted to be stocked in or you've got the partnership with the celebrity that you've always dreamed of. And I think kind of going back to this like networking kind of debate that we sort of had, those opportunities have never been more open for people. So I'm really excited about the future for small business. I definitely think the future is freelance um, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen there. Mm, me too honestly Lucy I feel like we are on the same wavelength I've been thinking (laughs) about a few projects I have a business idea myself and also just thinking about yeah kind of incorporating a lot of the different work that I do because I'm you know a multi-hyphenate and I I heard you say the word purpose and I was kind of jumped on it because I was thinking you know so many people talk now about purpose-led businesses and about the future consumer wanting you know brands that are going to make a difference and change the world and be purpose-led which is of course fantastic if that is you know an authentic you know part of the brand and business but I think that I wanted to talk to you anyway about USP and I think often now people are searching for this like what's your purpose what's your USP how is your business going to end social injustice or change the world when Mm. actually you might just be making really nice beautiful candles or you might be you know um, in any industry does it have to be like what do you think when it comes to this USP and is it you know just a one-liner that you kind of have to have or is it actually fundamental, super important? You have to sit down and figure out what it is, how you're going to market yourself and kind of differentiate yourself to others. So yeah, USP, is it as important as people make out? I think controversially, there is no such thing as an original business idea. The only Ooh. thing, controversial, right? <laughs> yeah. Because whether whatever you come up with, there is probably somebody somewhere doing something similar. That's why we have competitor analysis. <laughs> Um, they might not be exactly the same. They might not have the same um, fundamentals or the values, but 
I don't actually think there's such a thing as a completely original idea. Even if you look at like art or the creative world or music, we're all borrowing and being influenced and shaping it all the time. What makes every business different is the team behind it. And as you, as the business owner, you have your own individual thumbprint and nobody can take that away from you. So actually for me, the USP is going to be your personality and how you bring your ethos and your values through your business and into your brand. And that can be if you're a freelancer or that can be if you're a business owner with a team and how you lead your team and how the team are ambassadors for what your vision is with your business. I don't think we need jazzy USPs. Um, I think there's been this real trend in the last three or four years to be like, I'm a disruptor um, or, you know, I kind of, I don't have a problem with the word innovation, but when people say, oh, I've created this innovative business that is disruptive and it all becomes jargon. And you're mm. like, I, actually, I don't understand what it is that you do. Um, <laughs> like you just literally, it makes no sense. For me, I always say, go Ron Seal, just do what it says on the tin. I say, I'm a PR expert. You'll then go, oh, okay, what type of PR do you do then? Or can you tell me more about that? But if I introduced myself and told you everything that I do as part of my multi-hyphenate job, it becomes too much and it's overwhelming and people can't remember anything. So Mm. I just think kind of just sort of say what it is that you do very simply and then leave yourself room to expand. And again, on the purpose thing, like I heard an artist on Clubhouse the other week saying he didn't have a purpose and should he retrofit a charity tie up so that he had one. I was like, no, oh, no. Wow. For the love this is what of I'm God. talking about. <laughs> for the love of God, do not do that. But if you don't have a bigger purpose for your business, an obvious one to you, maybe just take a step back and think, okay, hold on, actually, what is my what what could my purpose be? And there's sort of two exercises that you that could help you with that. One is the kind of the seven levels of why. So you keep drilling down why you wanted to set up your business in the first place. And your purpose could literally be, I wanted to protect my own mental health and provide for my family and have work-life balance, for example. That, that's fine. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to create world peace. <laughs> We're mm. not in a pageant show here. Nobody's <laughs> looking to see what your answer is on the main stage. It's just for you to know why you're doing it for. If you want to have it as the main message for your business, so um, I think, for example, like Tony's Chocoloni is a really nice example where they want to stop um, the slave trade in chocolate um, mm. plantations. Like, that's great. That's a, It works for them. That's exactly what they want to be pushing as their message. It, why they have a higher price point. Um, and it explains why there's that price, price point there, because they're completely supporting fair trade. So sometimes you might want to explain what that purpose is. If you're working with artisanal goods and you're paying everybody down the chain, like a fair amount of money, so that's why your knitted garment is more expensive than Zara, that your purpose might be about sustainability or supporting, you know, the the chain that comes up. So I think sometimes it's just not being focused on purpose being a kind of, yeah, like a pageant answer, essentially. Um mm. And for us as a business, we were kind of like, what are we What are we about? And we actually had to do the work on ourselves. And I was like, actually, we're all about uh, supporting equality and how we can do that in the work that we do, the clients that we work with, and how we inform them to promote and brand themselves moving forward. So it's kind of a small chain effect moving forward. It's only like a little kink each time, but, you know, it's it's 
if we can educate ourselves better as service providers and then pass that information on to our audience, then we can see that kind of doing greater good in the world. And also then we have a sort of more, that's our kind of head one. And then we have a heart one where my second child was born with a cardiac condition. And I was writing my first book at that time and writing that book and championing small business owners and them in return kind of supporting me back on socials means that we now give 50% of the profits from both of our books to a fund for Great Ormond Street to go back to other parents like us. And that just inspires me to try and push it more and sell more to make more money for them. But it's not something I talk about all day, every day on every piece of you know, Instagram content or marketing material, everything I do is something that's just for me to help inspire me. Yeah, and I like that, the purpose and passion and profit, because I think sometimes they're put against one another, as in, are you a purpose-led business or a profit-led business? And that actually, yeah, of course, it can be both. And actually, the key takeaways for me from what you said before were less is more, you know, as you mentioned about rattling off like all these different things and actually trying to describe yourself as this Swiss army knife and also be a unicorn. So I think, yeah, having the the, the less is more approach can be, can be great. And I think to be honest, I know I've mentioned the book a few times, so I really hope people will dive in uh, and grab a copy, but I think I really liked the fact that this is so actionable, you know, it is literally, it's like you can follow and, and work your way through it, tick things off in the checklist, the tips, the activities. And so for someone like me, who, you know, I write a lot of lists. I, I think I'm quite organized and I, I, I like to work in that way. It, it really did work for me. But I know we've all got different working styles. We've all got different strengths and weaknesses. So what are the things from the book, Hype Yourself, that you would say are absolute DIYs? You know, like you can do these things yourself. You do not need to, after you've read this book, you do not need to pay someone else to do it. But what are the things that you potentially might think about outsourcing if you can't do it yourself instead of spending hours and hours and hours trying to create something that might not be as good which do you do you have any kind of categories for outsourcing versus DIY yeah I think it depends what type of person you are so if you're a good writer you might find it really easy to write a biography of yourself and come up with some ideas of things that you want to talk about but sometimes more often than not I meet business owners and they're like oh I I don't really have any business expertise and after sort of a 10 minute conversation like yeah there's all the things that you've learned in order to build your business before we even get started into what it is that you do as a product or service that you are an expert in so I think sometimes getting some external support uh, just to kind of almost help get those answers out of your brain that could just be like a kind of one hour consultant um, consultancy with a, a freelancer can be really helpful I think typically the bit that people struggle with is they can write their own bios and their one-liners and get their photos and and they could probably write a pretty good press release, but they might then get stumped as to who to pitch out to. And I think unless you've got access to a journalist database or you've got time to trawl through the papers, pick out the right press and then research their, their addresses online, which you can do. And magazines in particular are much better at this because they will include the, the first name, surname. Um, in the publication but sometimes kind of getting support on on who to pitch to is probably a bit that you might need to outsource but we're talking here in very kind of traditional media and as we were sort of saying earlier public relations is really everything that you're doing so I'd encourage people to think about going on podcasts or writing guest articles or 
speaking at events, doing panel events, um, you know, now that the world's opening up again, even going to networking events, that is PR for yourself because you're raising awareness. It's giving you content to talk about on your social media channels. And you never know who you might meet that then a few years down the line could recommend you or, or be somebody that you collaborate with. Um, so it's, I think it's kind of a mix, really. But definitely for me, photo, photos are the one that I think, particularly if you've got a product <laughs> business, invest, invest in some good photography. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone now, I guess, because we have iPhones and filters, it's kind of like, oh, maybe I could just do it myself. But I, I totally agree with you on that. I think, yeah, investing some time and some cash, actually. I think that's always the thing of people like, how can you just get everything free or cheap? Which, yes, if you have very limited funds at the start of your, you know, new new venture, then, of course, you have to think about that. But I think, yeah, I agree. That is somewhere that I think it's valuable to invest the cash because as well, if you get kind of evergreen photos, well, there's two points here. One is that you should be able to use them for a long time because, mm-hmm. you know, don't make them like super, I don't know. Uh, so you can, you don't need to update them all the time. And two, if you do that well enough, I mean, you can dine out on those photos for years, you know, yeah. it's like I'm using photos that are three years old. People are like, yeah, you look yeah, great. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. Keep changing um, your hair around, <laughs> wear a few different outfits. And a hundred percent, if you spend money on photographs, you will have to use them because you'll be like, I can't waste this. Yeah, exactly. And I think what I'm, I think the point I'm trying to make is that after quite a stressful year and COVID and homeschooling and releasing a book, and <laughs> I'm like, I do not look that fresh, but my pictures look great. She's <laughs> lying because I saw her before this podcast interview and thought that she looked really glowy. So she's lying to you. Oh. She looks fab. Thank you. Well, I mean, sometimes I'm a catfish. Okay, so let's talk about the next book because, I mean, there's another one coming. So yeah. um, I saw, <laughs> congratulations, I saw actually that you just announced that, the the pre-order and its publication. So could you tell us a little bit about it, what it's all about and when is it available? Thank you. Yeah, so um, the second book I'm actually writing with my cre- creative director, um, Adrian, he's French, Um and he's also the co-founder of my children. And we were basically <laughs> finding that lots of people were coming to us big, like they would find the book, see the cover, find me on socials, look at the website, maybe download some of our templates, be like, oh, I need some help with my branding. Do you do that? And then it's that's that kind of it's always that difficulty, isn't it, where you're like, okay we want to help everybody with branding, but some people there really is no budget and there is so much that you could do for yourself. So we basically have written the equivalent of Hype Yourself, but from the branding side. So it goes into your brand strategy, looks at your brand toolkit. So what you, what could be your colors, your fonts, what images should be using to represent yourself. Um, we dip a bit into personal brand and then it kind of finishes off with low budget, big impact ideas. I think loads of small business owners think that they need to have this huge advertising budget to do like a John Lewis Christmas campaign in order to be successful. It's like, actually, you can do quite a few cute and quirky things without spending loads. And lastly, just how to even brief a designer or how to work with a printer, what sort of things you should be asking for, like that that kind of info, because I just think it's not really out there in all one collection so it's out september the 7th but you can get it on pre-order now on all major booksellers or order it in from your local if you want to support your local independence which we're obviously always champions of over here Mm, yeah brilliant thank you and also just to add to that, I want to give people, you know, a bit of a reminder, actually, to have the confidence to do this kind of thing, because I think that for me anyway, 
over the last few years, maybe it's through experience, maybe it's through age that I'm starting to really have the confidence to back my ideas and to say, you know what, if it is briefing somebody for something and I have a very clear vision for it, not thinking, oh, well, I have to ask them because they know best. Actually having the confidence to say, I know my business or I know myself, I know my my USP, shall we say, and just seeing like, you know, having the confidence to yeah, brief people and be be clear about what you want, figure that out for yourself. And and if you know as well, if you, you know, if you're somebody who's very led by a lot of my friends who say that, you know, it's all about the gut, their gut instinct. And I'm I'm not really one of those people, but I'm like, if you are, then yeah, just lean into that, hang on to that, and don't necessarily feel like you have to yeah, get other people's approval or, or whatever on your idea, even, even just starting. So many people, Lucy, reach out to me, listeners of this podcast and say that they have an idea or they have a thing, but they're just waiting for someone to tell them it's a good idea. I'm yeah. like, well, if you think it's great and if you're excited about it, go for it just start it without yeah, waiting for someone to tell you. It's good. 100% and everything evolves. And I think actually this is the key bit about the branding book is it's not about starting with a logo that's not a business a logo is not your business it's not the first thing you need it's actually the last thing you should have in your branding packs actually knowing who your business is for what it is that you're selling and how you talk about that and how that how you want to communicate that is so more important than what a logo looks like (laughs) write it down people Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, so let's talk about the Power Hour, as this is the Power Hour podcast. Lucy, yeah. I would love to know about your morning routine. I'd love to know what time it typically starts and what the first hour of your day is all about. So my my um, alarm clock is called Bo. He's two years old. So that wake up could be any time between 4.30 and 6.30. Increasingly, we are moving between the 5 and 6 a.m. hour. So Has I he read normally... my book? Has Bo read Power Hour? He's, <laughs> big, he's my biggest fan. He's really into it. We start off um, actually doing some exercise work, which is in lots of cuddling, um, and then going down the stairs and running around the living room together. <laughs> and then me and Adrian actually take it in turns. So every other morning, one of us goes for... We've, there's a couple that live like, on the next street, they have three children and I run with the mum and he runs with the dad. So every other morning we run with another parent and we have a little running club. Um, and then whoever's running, the other one cooks um, like a healthy breakfast when the other one gets back. And so if I get to run, so I, I had a running morning this morning, um, I come back, uh, Adrian will have done the breakfast for me and then I can then go straight into the office, um, which is across my garden. And then so on the days that I'm not running, I will make breakfast for him and get my other two boys ready. 
and then take my little one to school because I'm always like well if Princess Diana could take her kids to school I could definitely take mine to school every other day <laughs> I love so much about this I'm like okay <laughs> I love this I'm like this system is she's got it down you've got the running you've got a running buddy so you've got accountability yeah. you've got the breakfast when you return I, this is the dream if you that don't have the great. accountability it does not for me it does not work I need somebody there with me Mm, yeah I mean so many people probably can relate and I mean I'm a solo runner mostly because no one wants to run with me at 5 30 a.m but I've just kind of made my own accountability whether that's training for a race or whether that's you know sharing and encouraging and motivating others sometimes I will do that just literally post some stories and be like okay I'm laced up I'm heading for a run I set off and by the time I get back people are like oh I've just seen this with one eye open and it's dragged me out of bed thanks and that sometimes for me has to be my almost false accountability because I am as I said running solo but that yeah, sounds yeah. great that I, sounds know, like I, awesome. I love mornings I'm a real morning person like I can get out of bed and be like ta-da let's go <laughs> I love people Mondays hate us, Lucy. and I honestly people do hate me it's fine um but like yeah and I love writing first thing in the morning as well so on Mondays which is like my favorite day of the week I never have any meetings there's never anything in the diary and Mondays is just my writing and creating day wow okay that sounds great as well in fact I don't know I don't know how we've never met before because I have a no, big sign weird, which I can see it? yeah I have a big sign in front of me which I can see in my office that says I love Mondays in yellow <laughs> and even when people come to my house sometimes they're like is that is that irony I'm like no it's not I love it I, I think love it's Mondays. like a new start like when, you, when you're at school did you get excited when you get a new school book like a new term you're like oh a new crisp exercise book Ooh. oh my gosh yes and it's just I always say this is how I say, describe it I'm like you've got a whole lot of week ahead of you to get all the shit done that you need yeah. just, you've got the whole week I love it yeah. okay this is awesome let's go on to the quick fire round so few quick choir questions for you and maybe I'm going to try this is on the fly now to add in some PR questions but firstly I would love to know from you Lucy if you weren't working in PR what would you be doing instead um I'd be a wet nurse because I'm so good at producing breast milk (laughs) (laughs) yes that is actually my job that I actually growing up I really wanted to be a journalist or a backing dancer (laughs) either or (laughs) Okay, wet nurse, uh, journalist, backing dancer, yeah. all very different. Thank you. <laughs> okay, what is one book, other than yours, that you would recommend that everybody needs to read? I would say Noise, which is by uh, Danusha Melina um, Durban, which is all about reframing how we talk about motherhood. And it's just brilliant. She's a mother of 10 C-suite like business boss. And I've just never met a woman like it. And it just makes me think, well, if she can do it with 10 children, I can probably do it with two. A mother of 10. You know what? That is actually, that question that I just asked you, that is actually used to be my dream. Have you ever seen the film Cheaper by the Dozen? A long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah, it's a family that have 10 children. And I honestly grew up just being like, that is the dream. Like, I love that. (laughs) That's my goals. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I need to research that lady because a woman of 10 is a woman that I would like to know. Like, there's a photo of her stood on a boardroom table in heels surrounded by her 10 children. I was like, this is iconic. Oh my gosh. Yes, levels. I mean, I need to get to work. I've only got one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question would be, what is something that you have, love, something that brings you joy, which you bought for £100 or less? 
I would say I bought a hairband that was actually from Spitalfields Market. It was only, it was sub £20. It's dotty and it's got a bow on it. And every time I wear it, I'm living out my kind of childhood hair dreams. Like I used to love watching like uh, Sabrina all these, and um, Clarissa explains all these early night things. Where there was a lot of headbands and hair pieces going on. So yeah, I love a good headband. And this one is my fave. Great. Headbands bringing you joy. And then the penultimate question, because as I said, I'm just thinking on the fly, adding in PR questions. If someone was to sit down with you, Lucy, for one hour, they had a power hour to spend with you and they had a new business idea. What do you think would be the typical kind of first three things that you would tell them to do? Uh, I'd get them to tell me what are your business objectives to make sure that if they even need to do PR in the first place. I'd get them to tell me exactly who it's for and then we'd match up who, where are those people playing? Because again, when most people say Forbes or TEDx and I'm like, is your audience even looking at those places or do you need to be going to like a really niche regional blog, for example? Great. And my final question, Lucy, for you is all about Power Hour and the theme of time. If you were given one extra hour every single day, there's now 25 hours, what would you use your extra hour to do? Writing. Great. You don't get to write enough. Well, you've got two books, so you must have had, you must have, uh, you, <laughs> yeah, you, but you know what, writing. that's not writing for joy, that's writing for work. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, so do you mean writing, like, would you write, what kind of thing? Like, cre- more creative writing. Oh. Like, I'm quite, I like to play in my head, but I've still got this kind of, there's a little girl in me that still, like, sort of wants to write imaginary stories about nothing, that go nowhere and they're just for myself. Hmm. Again, the entrepreneur in me is like, oh, novels, children's books, maybe, maybe. Watch the space. Oh, wait, you also, and actually, you know what it is? It's after I watched Fleabag, I was convinced that I'd be able to write the next comedy script. That's also probably what I'd love to have actually done as a career. But I'm neither, I'm not skilled in either of those things. But like the adult in me aspires that when I grow up <laughs> to be a comedy script writer. <laughs> Well, we have a watch this space. Who knows? I feel like all of these things, you could become a backing dancer who's writing comedy scripts and nursing and multiple nurse. babies. Yeah. I'd be donating the milk, I think, rather than plugging on somebody else's baby. Well, you never know. That, 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 lady, with, that lady with 10 kids, she might need some help. <laughs> thank you so much Lucy I have really really enjoyed this conversation as I knew I would and I really do hope that as I said listeners get a pen and paper write notes because the amount of questions that I get asked around these topics and of course if I can I reply to everyone but I feel like I'm just going to send them a link to this episode now and say it's all in there (laughs) brilliant thank you so much and yeah keep on hyping everybody hype yourselves Yes, thank you so much, Lucy. And thanks for tuning in. As always, please remember to rate, review, share this episode. It helps us to reach more people and keep bringing you new episodes every single week. Have an awesome week. See ya. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, 
a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.